Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. So is it cool if we just go right into God's word? I have a lot of notes. I have a lot of things I feel like God wanted me to say to you guys, but we're going to go ahead and get into it. If you can stand to your feet this Wednesday evening, and we want to welcome those that are joining us online as well. Look at us. We're moving on up. We got the camera system of Don. My man's right there in the back. Come on. That's awesome. I love how our church is always improving um, and honestly, doing our best to do things at a level of excellence to try to get the gospel out to people. And we have such an awesome opportunity via online social media to reach out to people online who maybe don't even live in Victoria. And I think that's amazing. So let's welcome all those that are joining us online with the hand clap, whether there's a few or many or... You know, the awesome thing, one thing I keep in mind is people may watch this months and years down the line. In fact, I had someone reach out to me today, and they said that they shared a message that I preached probably five months ago uh, to someone, and it spoke to them right where they were at and ministered to them. Come on, how many people believe that God's word is powerful? It's powerful. We're going to be taking a look at a character in the Bible by the name of Noah. Anybody know Noah in the Bible? I think most of us do. I've always wanted to preach on, this, on, on the story of Noah. I, just didn't ever, I never knew what I would say about Noah or what scripture we'd be focusing on. But during this fast that we had, anybody enjoy the fast, 21 days of fasting? In fact, I was right there, and I opened up and it cracked my Bible. Don't you love it whenever you open up God's word? And he just reveals something to you, that God's word is living and active. Do you know that the Bible is the only book that you can read where the author is always present? And he'll teach you, he'll guide you, he'll, have, he'll give you revelation. And revelation is simply this, it's revealed truth. And I want us to take a look at the story of Noah. And specifically, I want us to take a look at what took place right at the end of the flood. And it says this in Genesis chapter 8, verse 6 through 12. Anybody got their Bibles with them? Come on, cool. I'm excited. So it says this, after 40 days, Noah opened a window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven. Can somebody say a raven? And it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove. Can somebody say a dove? So notice how the raven went out and it didn't come back. It stayed out there in the world. It says that it went to and fro. But it says that he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground, but the dove could find nowhere to perch because there was water all over the surface, over all the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. It says that he waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Though Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth, he waited seven more days and sent the dove out again. But this time it did not return to him. So we have a raven, we have a dove, we have a storm that took place. And I believe that there's a deeper meaning beneath the surface of the story that I'd like us to uncover together as we go in, on a journey in Scripture. Is that cool with you guys? Awesome. So the message title for tonight, if you want to write this down, if you're taking notes on your phone in a journal, is two birds and one storm. Two birds and one storm. Turn to the person next to you, say two birds. Now turn to your second option and say one storm. And one storm. After you've done that, you can go ahead and be seated. Thank you for standing in honor and reading of God's word. Awesome. 
So as most of you guys may know, um, recently, my sister and now brother-in-law, Caleb Slavik, got married. Come on, can we make some noise for them? They're on a honeymoon right now. And I won't forget whenever Slavik asked me to be the best man at his wedding. I've never been a best man at any wedding. Okay, and Haley is my sister, and Slavik is my best friend, so that may have been my only shot ever, but I was the best friend. I was the best man at the wedding, but one of the responsibilities of a best man is to throw a bachelor party, okay? And honestly, I planned something out. My little brother was also um, a groomsman as well, and he came with us. We hung out, me, Slavik, my little brother Joshua, so don't worry. We made some wise decisions. You don't have to worry about catch. Okay, well, anyways, we went to Austin. We, we got an Airbnb, and one of the things that we did during the course of the, um, the, 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 the groomsmen party, the bachelor trip, is we went axe throwing. I don't know if anybody's ever been axe throwing. I'm telling you what, that's probably one of the most manliest things that you could ever do. I mean, the name says it all. You literally, we're throwing axes. I wish, I wish I could show you a video. We were throwing axes at this bullseye, and it was so much fun. Like, you're not a real man until you've been axe throwing, Okay. I don't know what we're doing with this building whenever we leave or who's getting it or whatever, but I'm strongly feeling in my spirit that we can make this into an axe-throwing facility when we're out there in the next building because it was super cool. Just kidding. But anyways, I felt like, you know, I was, it was so awesome. You know what I mean? Out with the guys. Then the next morning, that manhood was tested because we went to a breakfast place that someone told us about called Bird Bird Biscuit, and this is in Austin, Texas. Not sure if you've ever heard of it. They have some great food. If you're ever in the Austin area, I encourage you to check it out. So me and my little brother, we show up at this restaurant early the next morning. We hang out with all the guys, and me and Joshua, we order our sandwiches, and we sit down, and we're towards the end of the table, me and Joshua. The rest of the guys are more on this side, and I don't know if you can relate to me or not, but something really annoying happened. You know whenever you have a soda or you have a sauce or something and bees get a little, t they, they, they sense it and they come. And while we were eating, sitting down, all these bees started swarming me and Joshua. And they started landing on our food. They started landing on my back, started landing on my skin, okay? And you know what? I've heard people say, you know, stay still whenever a bee is nearby. But I forgot all of that, especially if they're landing on my food food and laying on my skin. I got my hat and I was like hitting everything. I hit my little brother's sandwich. I got some sauce on my sandwich. And I was thinking to myself, how come these bees aren't landing? And I'm going somewhere, okay? I'm not just, what if this is all for nothing? Just want to tell you guys this. No, but anyway, so I'm, they're bothering me and Josh, but these other guys, they're not bothering them. And one of the guys say, chill out. And I just said, you need to chill out. If there's a bee landing on me and my food, I'm going to freak out, okay? I'm sick of people telling me to chill out if there's a bee landing on me and my Can I hear an amen? I'm going to get up and I'm going to do something. Anyways, but the reason that the bee was attracted to me and Josh is because of what we ordered. We ordered a sandwich that had a sauce in it, that had a nectar, and it had some sugar in it that they were attracted to, but the other guys didn't have anything like that. It's because of this, because bees have a nature in them where they're drawn towards certain substances, sugar, nectar, and something that is sweet. They're drawn towards that. And, and here's one thing you got to realize. 
Everything has a nature. Every animal actually carries a nature as well, especially birds. I won't ever forget whenever I went to my grandparents' house, and I went in the backyard while my grandparents were out there hanging out and chilling, and, and my grandpa had these binoculars, and he was looking out at the bird feeder. And whenever he was looking out the bird feeder, I walked back there, and he had a book on his lap. And it was a, it was a book full of these different birds. And I asked my grandpa, I said, Grandpa, like, what are you doing right now? He said, Caleb, I'm bird watching. And I was like, what does bird watching mean? Like, how, like, I don't understand how that's, you know, why, why are you doing this? You know, he's retired. He had some free time. That's what he wanted to do. And, and he said this to me. He said, Caleb, it's all about understanding nature, looking at birds. I can look at this book. And, and, and it's awesome because there's over 10,000 species of birds. And every bird has a distinct nature and characteristic about it. And I think that fit, fits perfectly into today's message because we need to understand something, that in the book called the Bible, that there are animals within it that represent and symbolize a certain nature or characteristic. Let me give you an example. Jesus is known as the Lamb of God at times in Scripture. That's reflecting and representing his innocence and submission. He's also known as the Lion. It's making sense to anybody this Wednesday evening. He's also known as the Lion of the tribe of Judah representing his might and representing his power. And in the story we just read, we find out that Noah sends out two birds. He sends out a raven and he sends out a dove. Question, why would Noah send out two different birds? Why would he send out a raven and why would he send out a dove? And why would Moses, who wrote these, the first five books in the Bible, who wrote the Torah, why would he think it was so important to put that in the account of Genesis? You need to understand this about ravens and doves, that ravens and doves couldn't be more opposing and different in nature. They couldn't be more different in nature. This is making sense to y'all. See, for starters... A raven is a dark bird, but a dove is a light bird. One is black, one is white. And, and then a raven as well. It says that the raven went off, ran away, did its own thing, but it says that the dove returned back two times. And also, the, so the raven was disobedient, but the dove was obedient. And also, ravens are known as carnivorous scavengers that eat dead things. But a raven, on the other hand, 99% of its diet is consisted of seeds and fruit. And also, whenever God gave Moses the law, he declared that ravens were dirty and unclean animals. But if you look at scripture, doves are known as, as symbols of peace, of innocence, and purity. And also, it represents the Holy Spirit because it says that whenever Jesus was baptized, that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. So in other words, the, the raven represents and symbolizes a vice, but the dove represents virtue. The raven symbolizes death, but the dove symbolizes and represents life. And they couldn't be more contrary in nature. Saying those two, those two names in a sentence is like a contradiction. And the reason I say that is this. Just like those two birds have two different natures, we ourselves have two dueling natures on the inside of us. That's a lot of stuff. Is that good preaching right there or not? I'm going to preach myself happy. Come on, I've heard Peter say that. I don't even know what that means. But that's what I believe that the scripture is reflecting. See, I don't know if you can relate to me or not, but we have a part in us that wants to do right, but it feels at times that we also have a part in us that wants to do wrong. Can I hear an amen? Where's all the real people at? 
Like, you know, I have my good days. I have the days where I wake up, I get to prayer, I feel all good. But there's some days and some nights where I feel that old nature rising up in me, wanting to do what, what I used to do. See, the Apostle Paul describes this in Galatians chapter 5. He says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 23. It says this. I feel the presence of God this Wednesday evening. It says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Can somebody say Spirit. And you will, not you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Can somebody say flesh? For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another, with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And here we go. Here's a verse that I love. It says this, but the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, forbiddance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. Can I hear an amen from somebody? So in the scripture, we find the Apostle Paul pointing out the tension between our flesh and our spirit. See, part of us, part of us, the spirit of God wants to follow God, and the other part, the flesh, wants to turn up. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, part of us, we want to follow after God, the, the spirit of God, but there's another part of us. I don't know, man. Sometimes it hits some of y'all on the Friday night or Saturday night. We're just like, let's go turn up. Let's go out there. I mean, we're just being real, right? <laughs> See, the flesh, and this is what it is. The flesh is simply the sinful nature that we're all born with. That's what the flesh is. Don't overcomplicate this. The flesh is the sinful nature that we're all born with. No one has to teach you how to sin. We are natural sinners. A lot of times our world is revolving around me, myself, and I. I guarantee you one of your first words as a kid was mine, me, I. You know, it's like that's just what we're born into. We, we have this sinful nature. We have our flesh. But I'm thankful that whenever we accept Jesus Christ in our lives, that we are born again with a new spirit. And we have the spirit of the living God living inside of all of us. No, I don't think you heard me. You're not dead anymore. You're not a tomb anymore. You're not lifeless anymore. But you have a life-giving God. You have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. The scripture says, greater is he that is inside of me than he that is in the world. Anybody thankful for the Holy Ghost this Wednesday evening? But the problem is now we have the Holy Spirit, but we also have our flesh, and now we must learn how to submit to the Holy Spirit. So we have our flesh, and we have the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand and think about this. There's a tug of war taking place in our hearts because the flesh and the spirit, as the Apostle Paul said in, Genesis, in Galatians chapter 5, are opposite in nature, just like the raven nature and the dove nature. One is clean, and the other one is unclean. One is pure, and the other one is impure. In other words, the raven represents the flesh, and the dove represents the Holy Spirit. And we all have a raven nature and a dove nature. And what I want us to do, I want us to take a look at Scripture and expound and look 
at these two different natures that we find in Scripture, the dove nature and the raven nature, or in other words, the raven nature, our flesh. We're going to start off by looking at that. Can somebody say the raven nature? nature. And the Apostle Paul addresses his raven nature, his raven nature, in Romans chapter 7. Take a look. This is what it says. And this is the Apostle Paul. He says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. Somebody say, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want to do is what I keep on doing. Let me remind you real quick. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. The Apostle Paul is responsible for writing 13 books in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, even he battled his flesh. Even he battled his sinful nature. What makes us think that we're not going to battle our flesh and our sinful nature if he did it? Because the reality is he's human just like every single one of us are human as well. And you can't cast out your flesh. You can cast out demons and devils and evil, evil spirits. Jesus did it, and Jesus said, greater works in your name shall you do. But I don't care how many demons you got, if you got them cast out of you, you cannot cast out your flesh and your sinful nature that we all innately have inside of us when it comes to the tendency of sin. Anybody with me? See, what I want you to understand is this. My greatest enemy, your greatest enemy, my greatest enemy is not the devil. It's not demons, not principalities. It's not problems. And it's not other people, because I feel like some people are confused. You think that your real enemy, your greatest enemy, is the devil and other people. But my greatest enemy is not the devil. My greatest enemy is actually my inner me. Somebody say, my greatest enemy is my inner me. It's our flesh. It's our sinful nature. It's the desires. So how do we identify what a raven nature is? We can look at the story of Noah Again, straight off the bat, I want you to notice this. It says that the raven chose to stay out in the world rather than to return to Noah and the ark. And we know that ravens are scavengers. They are carnivorous animals. If you had to have something that was synonymous with it, I would say something like a buzzard or something. That would go out there and they would wait. In fact, ravens are known to follow after packs of wolves. And after packs of wolves get done with their prey, they'll swoop down and finish the meal. So ravens are known as carnivorous animals. And ravens would love nothing more than to find something that is dead and eat its corroding flesh. And can you imagine all of, the dead, all of the dead animals that are floating in the water after the flood took place, it's like a free buffet for this raven as he, go out, as he goes out there. I can imagine this raven going from animal to animal, from mill to mill. And here's the thing about the raven nature that we all have. Here's the thing about the raven nature. Here's the thing. A raven nature would much rather be in a world that is drowning and dying and hurting than to be in an ark with people who are alive. A, a raven nature would much rather be out there in a drowning and dying world eating dead things than in the ark with people who are alive. And here's the thing that the devil would love. Here's what the devil would love to do to you. The devil would love to distract you so much with the pleasures of this world and the desires of your flesh where you lose focus of church. You don't come to church. You lose focus of Jesus. You stop following after Jesus. 
and you lose focus of the purposes of God. You know this is the last place that Satan wants you to be right now in God's house, seated right where you're sitting? Oh, man, Satan would much rather you be at home watching TV right now. Satan would much rather you be at the bar getting drunk right now. Satan would much rather you be out there on the streets getting high on drugs, shooting yourself up with a needle right now. Satan would much rather you go from relationship to relationship, sleeping around with different people, losing focus, giving yourself away, rather than you give your whole heart to God. See, Satan would much rather you get so caught up with this life that you forget about the next life and everything that God has for you. I'm not here to condemn anybody. I just feel this was led by God. I just feel like I want to speak plainly to somebody, whoever's watching online, whoever it may be. I just came to declare something to you tonight, that everything on this planet will pass away. Your cars, your clothes, your home, things will break down. They will rust. They will go away. They will rot. That thing that you have right now in that driveway, that thing will one day be broken down, torn apart in the junkyard or given to somebody else. But I love what the book of Isaiah Isaiah says, he says, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Somebody say God is forever. All I'm saying is it's in our sinful nature. We focus on what we can see rather than what we can't see. And we focus on so many temporary things, fleeting desires that we forget about God a lot of times. I don't want to be like that. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. See, the raven nature love things, loves things in the world more than God. But here's what gets me about this story, though. Here's what gets me about this story. It says that after Noah sent out the birds, that he had his hand stretched out, and he was waiting for the birds to return. And I came to deliver a message and a word to someone that may be out there foiling in the world, being driven by the raven nature, that God loves you so much, and he has his hand stretched out towards you right now. Even when you're out there in the world doing your own thing, you may be in your seat right now, but you're not really here right now. Your heart may be in other places, and God's like this right now saying, hey, come home. Come to me. Come to my hands. I'll give you life. I'll give you freedom. I'll give you strength. I'll give you peace. I love you. Somebody say, come back home. Come back home. That's what I felt like God wanted me to tell someone. It's never too late. It's never too late. Some people, they disqualify themselves. We disqualify ourselves. We think that we have to be perfect and have it all together before we can come to church, pray, read the Bible, give our life to Jesus. But I'm telling you right now, you don't get good to get God. You get God to get good. You, it's not about achieving. Don't say, I'll wait, I'll wait until, I'll wait until this, I'll wait until that. Give your life to Jesus right now. See, he loves you just the way you are, but he loves you way too much to keep you the way that you are. Amen? Here's how I know that God loves, loves you and loves us. It says this in Luke chapter 12, verse 22, verse 24, and I think this is beautiful. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. Somebody say, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. Somebody say, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? Here's what gets me about that. 
God could have chosen any other animal. He could have said any other, and Jesus knows in the law, ravens are dirty and unclean. This is Jesus talking, dirty and unclean animals, and yet he chose one of the dirtiest ones. See, if you think that God only cares for people that have their act all together, you're wrong. The scripture says that it rains on the just and the unjust. God is no respecter of persons. See, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Have you ever wondered why God was good to you whenever you were acting up and acting all bad? Or have you ever looked at someone that's not living right and you're thinking to yourself, God, how come you can be so good to those people? And God reminded me of a story, an example I want to give you guys. You know, uh, whenever I was younger and uh, we lived out in the country, I won't forget this one time. I was probably about seven or eight or so, and I don't think my parents really know this story. Um, but what happened was whenever I was in the living room, I saw something fall from a tree. And, and I, I went outside and I noticed that it was a bird. And it was actually, I believe it was a blackbird raven. It was one of those birds, okay? And, and what happened was I, I didn't want to touch it because I heard that if you touch a bird, the mother won't come back, right? So I decided to go back inside and I said, I'll come out here next couple hours. It fell from the nest. I went back outside, but the mother didn't come. It didn't come and get it. It didn't do anything. And I knew this bird was going to die. It couldn't even, it could barely even walk. It didn't have much strength in its body. It was very, uh, it was really like underdeveloped. So I decided to go ahead and I take it inside to, to, to nurture it, to clean it, to take care of it. I know some of you are thinking, ew, gross, that's nasty. It's all part of this message. I took it inside. I washed my, I did all that stuff. But I decided to take care of it and nurture it until it was in a better place where it became strong enough to go back into the wild. And I took care of it. And I just came to tell somebody this real quick. God isn't afraid of your mess and what you came out of. God will feed you. He'll clothe you. He'll take care of you until you recognize, oh, come on. The reason that he does it is because you want, he wants you to recognize him. That's why the Bible say, says it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. God's not afraid of your mess. He's not afraid of in, your insecurities. He's not afraid of your failures. He's not afraid of your secret sin. In fact, Jesus Christ loves you so much that he died on the cross. He hung up on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin, so that way you can become the righteousness of God. It wasn't nails that kept Jesus on the cross. It was the love of God that kept him on the cross. We all have a raven nature, and I can go on and on about the raven nature. I have a whole list of notes. I, I, see, I see I got five minutes on the screen. Is it cool if I share one more thing? This isn't in my notes or anything. Is it cool if I share this? You know, I think a lot of times we restrict how God can bless us a lot of times. We put limits on God, and we say, God, you can only bless me through this avenue, through this person. You can only come and bless me in this way or that way. And sometimes we can be so condescending when it comes to other people that aren't followers of Jesus or believers of God, and we can think that they have no role or part to play in our life or vice versa. You know, what's interesting is there's a story in the book of Kings where it says the prophet Elijah, which is a very major prophet in the Bible, he had to flee and run away from a, a wicked and corrupt king and queen, Queen Jezebel, King Ahab. And it says that he, he had to go away. And it says that God led him to a riverbed. And whenever he was at the riverbed, God could have chose any form to, to send him food and send him provision and, and take care of him. But guess what it says? It says that God sent ravens to take care of him. He sent the most dirtiest and unclean things to take care of him. 
you know, it reminds me of a story that, of this man one time, of this man that, 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 that was, he, he was in a ship, and, and the, the, the boat crashed, and he, was, he had an abandoned ship, and he was in the water. He was by himself, and he said, God, help me. God, send some, like, help me. Get me out of this mess. And, and it says that a smaller raft came and said, hey, man, come inside here. We'll take care of you. We got you. He said, no, I'm praying God's going to send someone. And then all of a sudden, a bigger boat came, and, 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 we said, and they said, hey, we can help you out. No, and he said, no, you know, uh, God's going to send, he's going to come and help me. And, and that boat left. And then here we go. It's a couple days later, and this helicopter came by, and the helicopter threw out a ladder, said, hey, man, come on up, come on up. And the guy says, no, 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 God's going to help me. And then the man ends up dying. He gets to heaven, and he stands before God, and he says, God, why did you send someone to help me? He said, I did send somebody, dummy. Dummy, I sent you a small boat. I sent you a big boat, and I sent you a helicopter. All I'm saying is, don't you ever put an expectation or put a predeposition or be prejudiced when it comes to who and how God can bless you. God will use anybody or anything in your life to bless you. God will even use Satan. And God will use devils and demons and things that came at you, that came for your throat, that came to still kill, and destroy your life. And he'll twist it around for your good where you have a testimony and a message. Man, that's good. It's funny. Sometimes, sometimes you know, we, we, somebody wants to bless us. We, we say, no, don't bless me. Don't worry about it because our pride and ego sometimes. I understand sometimes it's, it's real, but sometimes it's like, no, don't bless me. Don't do this. Don't do that. I've learned. I'll say that one time to someone. Because I want to take advantage of them. But if they say no, no, if they're persistent with it, I'll say, okay, you know what? You can take care of my meal, do this or that. Because what you don't realize is you could actually be restricting a blessing in their life. So that way, God, oh, man, I'm, I'm just going to stop right there. I went on a rabbit trail. Is that good with you guys? That makes sense to y'all. Okay, cool. All right, so we're going to go to the next nature. It's 805. Anybody enjoying this so far? All right, the second thing is the dove nature. Can somebody say the dove nature? Out of all the birds in the Bible, the dove won God's affection more than any other. The dove is God's favorite bird in Scripture. When Solomon talked about his bride, which represented the church, he called the church dove four times. When Jesus was a child, Mary and Joseph used two turtle doves as a sacrifice to cover Jesus Christ during the Passover. When Jesus was baptized at the age of 30, it says the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. The dove nature represents the Holy Spirit. And here's what's interesting about that. A dove has, you know, of course, two wings. And on both sides of the wings, it has nine main feathers on both sides. Just like the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, how both of those are consisted of nine different elements of nine different things. Nine on this side, nine on this side, nine fruits of the Spirit, nine gifts of the Spirit. Not only that, but there's nine tail feathers on the back of the dove, just like God has equipped the fivefold ministry to help bring balance and bring direction and guidance when it comes to the ministry and the body of Christ. All I'm saying is, I don't believe that's any coincidence. I believe that God chose the Holy Spirit intentionally, and he chose the dove as a representation of the Holy Spirit. This making sense to someone. See, I believe the reason God chose the dove to represent the Holy Spirit was because it made a decision that day in Genesis chapter 8 to be obedient to Noah. To, you have to understand this. To Noah, that olive branch was a message of a fresh start and new life. It was a message of hope. And what's intriguing is 
homing pigeons, which actually belong to the same class of bird as doves, are known for being messaging birds. In wartime especially, they'll go across enemy lines to deliver a message to someone. And I just came to deliver a message to someone from the Holy Spirit. And it's the same message that the Holy Spirit gave us whenever he descended upon Jesus. And it's this, that Jesus wasn't just an ordinary, regular, average man. He wasn't just a good prophet or a teacher, but he was the son of the living God. He was, jo- he was Jesus Christ, Yahshua Hamashiach. He was the son of the living God, 100% man and 100% God. And he came into the world, took on skin and bone, and he died on the cross because he loves you so, so much. And he'll do it again and again. And guess what? That was a message of new life. That was a message of a fresh start. God used the Holy Spirit to bring that message. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I just wanted to share that message with you guys. Let us never forget about the gospel, which is good news. Amen. The dove is a symbol of our brand new nature in Christ. The Holy Spirit is God. You want to know what the Holy Spirit is? The Holy Spirit is God, and God wants to develop a new nature on the inside of you. And that's why some things don't feel the same way. Whenever, whenever you do them now, because now you have a new nature. You have the person of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, because God has instilled a new nature on the inside of you. See, when we have, see, here, here's what I want you guys to get. When we get the Holy Spirit, we're still going to battle the flesh. When we get the Holy Spirit, we're going to still have tendencies from the past, and the enemy wants us to creep back into our old nature, but the scripture says that if anyone is in, in Christ, he is a new creation, amen? We are born again with the Holy Spirit. And he wants to empower us. Now when we come against flesh, we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit, not by ourselves. See, when we, when we receive Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. And now get this. This is what I want you guys to get. All Christians have the same Holy Spirit. We all have the same Holy Spirit, the same power of the resurrected Christ lives and dwells inside of us. But, not, but the Holy Spirit doesn't have all Christians the same way. There's a difference between you having the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit having you. A lot of people that have the Holy Spirit, but a lot of people, they don't allow the Holy Spirit to have them. We get the Holy Spirit from salvation, but the Holy Spirit gets us from surrender. Let that sit and soak for a minute. Remember that. I don't want to just have the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to have me in my life. I remember whenever Allison, this isn't my notes either. I don't know why I feel led to share this. I feel like I'm just being led by God right now. I, I won't forget, just to make it very plain and simple, I won't forget whenever Allison took Mason out for a walk. And whenever Mason was very, he's full of energy, he was excited, and he was, he was pulling. He was pulling, you know, and I, he was pulling, um, and it goes backwards, actually. I got Mason. I walked him normally. And then I gave the, the leash to, to Allison, and it just yanked her, and he, she was going all over the place with Mason. See, all I'm saying is this. A lot of us, we have the Holy Spirit, and we lead the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit wants us to be in a place where we don't lead the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit leads us. So how do we walk in the Holy Spirit? I have a quick example I want to give you guys, because we have a raven nature, we have a dove nature. The question is, how do we allow one to become more dominant? Let me give you guys an example. Years ago, um, during a Christmas, years back, uh, my parents gave me two gerbils. I don't know if anybody's ever had any gerbils or hamsters. 
they gave me two gerbils. The funny thing is these two gerbils, gerbils couldn't be more different. One was named Jerry, and the other one's name was Speedy Gonzalez. We'll call him Speedy, okay? So Jerry, <laughs> Jerry was a dark colored um, gerbil, and, and Speedy Gonzalez, Speedy, he was like a light-haired gerbil. Um, Jerry was very mean, but Speedy was really nice. When it came to playtime, Jerry would always want to bite you, um, but, but Speedy was very playful. But what ended up happening was Jerry, because of his personality, was way more dominant than Speedy in every way, especially when it came to feeding time. And whenever the food came out, Jerry would push Speedy to the side, and he would nibble and eat all the food, and he wouldn't allow, uh, Jerry wouldn't allow Speedy to eat the food. And long story short, because of that, because Jerry was so dominant, Speedy Gonzalez, he ended up passing away. I know, I cried, it broke my heart a lot. Here's, here's why I say that. The reason being, don't laugh about that. I'm just going, I'm sorry, what about like that? The reason being, the reason being is because one was fed more than the other. One was, see, here's the principle. Whatever you feed grows, but whatever you don't feed doesn't grow. Whatever you feed grows, but whatever you don't feed doesn't grow. Are you feeding your raven nature or dove nature more? How do we feed them? Which one is leading us? And I want to make this very practical tonight by giving you guys and showing y'all an illustration. If I can have Brian, Haley, and Jessica come up and help me, guys. Can y'all give them a hand clap real quick? Come on. All right, I'm on my right side. Come on, guys. Keep on making noise for them. Awesome. Awesome. You guys look great. I just noticed how y'all are like the same, like the height thing. I just noticed that too. That's pretty funny. Okay, I'm, you're not short or anything. You're, you're perfect. Okay, anyways, let's go move on. I got to get to this message. I got to finish up. I went over. You guys following so far? Is it making sense to y'all? This represents you. The Bible says that we are a three-part being. We are body, we are soul, and we are spirit. We are a trichotomy. God says, you know, we are made up of a body, which is our flesh, represents our flesh. We have the spirit, whenever we accept Jesus, we have the spirit of God that makes a home in our hearts. So, so this represents the Holy Spirit. But then we also have our soul, which is known as the core of our being. It's our, it's our mind, it's our will, and it's our emotions. The spirit, Holy Spirit represents our dove nature, but the flesh represents our old nature, our, our raven nature. And here's what happens. You know, the, the raven nature and the dove nature are in conflict, the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 5. Go ahead and lock arms real quick. So the Spirit of God is trying to lead us, follow me. He's trying, the Spirit of God is trying to lead us to the things of God. But then you have the flesh, sorry, Jessica. The flesh, the uglier part of us, you're good, hand, you're good looking, Brian, not saying you're ugly, but the flesh is trying to lead us typically away from the things of God a lot of times. And a lot of times, both of y'all pull, don't pull too hard. A lot of times, this is where we are right now in our mindset, our mind, our will, and our emotions. We are torn between the two. And I don't know if you ever felt like you feel like, you know, just trying to go to church. I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm, trying, I'm just trying to make it. I'm trying to just, ah, God, ah. And, and we're torn between the two. And what's happening, you guys can stop. Is, is, is we become so mentally fatigued and drained and we get depressed because we're allowing one area to become more dominant than it should be. 
But the Apostle Paul says we can either be led by the flesh or we can be led by the Spirit of God. So how do we know when our flesh is leading us? I want to give you guys an example. Our, our flesh is leading us. How do we know? We know our flesh is leading us whenever we're led, you ready for this word? By our feelings. We know that we're being led by the flesh when we're led by our feelings. Whenever we say things like, I don't feel like forgiving that person. I don't feel like going to church. That's our flesh talking. I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel, I just feel like giving up. I feel like, I, I, just, I just don't feel it. I don't feel it. I don't feel it. I don't feel this. I don't feel that. And what happens is we're being led by our senses. Our senses, what we see, what we hear, what we touch, what, what we feel. We're being led by our senses so many times. But you need to understand this. Just because something looks good or feels good doesn't mean that it is good. I'm going to say that one more time. Just because something looks good or feels good doesn't mean that it is necessarily good a lot of times. And you can't be the type. So one second, one second. We're, we're almost done. You can't be the type. Don't, don't, don't be this type of person. Don't be the type of person that's led by the flesh on Saturday night. Come on, somebody. But then led by the spirit on Sunday morning. I, I, I just felt like I don't be a polka dot Christian, in other words, okay? We have to choose to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in life. No matter the season, good times, bad times, we have to be led by the Spirit. How do we know if we're being led by the Spirit? Here's the difference. The flesh is led by our feelings, but the Spirit is led by faith. That's why the Bible says, walk by faith and not by sight. Faith, sight. You have to choose every single day to walk by faith. And faith says things like this. God, I don't understand everything that's taking place in my life right now. But I choose to trust in you and love you because you're leading me and you're guiding me. God, my, my kid may be out there right now acting a fool. But I raised them in the ways of God. And I speak by faith that they're going to come back home. God, my bills may not be met. I may have so much debt. I may be struggling, but God, I believe that as I seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, that all of my needs shall be met according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God, that doctor may have given me that negative report, but I have enough faith and I believe in your word where it says that you were wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, the chastisement of my peace was on your shoulders, and by your stripes I am healed. God, I have enough faith that with you all things are possible. Come on. Come on, you guys can stand to your feet. We're almost done. All I'm saying is the Holy Spirit wants to lead you. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you. The Holy Spirit can open up doors that you can never open. The Holy Spirit can close doors that you can never close. The Holy Spirit wants to take you to the next level. Don't be settled and content with staying right where you're at. Maybe asking Caleb, where does the Holy Spirit want to lead me? I'll tell you right where he wants to lead you. I feel the presence of God. Come on, this is where the Spirit of God wants to lead you. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you to life and life more abundantly. Take a step. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you to more love. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you to more peace. The Holy Spirit, come on, anybody with me? The Holy Spirit wants to lead you to more joy. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you to Jesus. And guess what? You be led by the Spirit of God. You feed the Holy Spirit by praying, by fasting, 
by supplication, by devotion, and the Holy Spirit will take you. Come on, come on. Anybody want to be led by the Spirit of God? Come on. This message was just to encourage you that the Holy Spirit is a person that is real and that's alive and active. Let's make sure that we make it a goal this year that our flesh, our raven nature will become weaker, but our spirit, our dove nature will become stronger. And here's how you do it. In order, this is my conclusion, in order for the spirit to thrive, our flesh must starve. And we do it by feeding our spirit time and time, coming to church, reading the word, fasting. You're, you're, you're dying out to your flesh. You're, you're, you're trying to get those things out of the way and you're trying to focus on what's your folk. You're giving up what, what you desire so that way you can get what you desire more. And even the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If, if God convicts you about doing something that other people are doing or maybe something that you have in your routine and you, you just don't feel right about it, be obedient to the conviction of the Holy Spirit because you're starving your flesh, but you're feeding your spirit. Man, this makes sense to anybody this Wednesday evening. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.